Did you know that the Ghana Police Service has the reputation of the most corrupt government institution in that country? From alleged arbitrary arrests to harassment, bribery, and a heavy-handed crackdown on demonstrations, the image and reputation of the Ghana Police Service continues to take a nosedive. Now, as an historian, my natural instinct or, or reaction is to sort of wonder what went wrong, you know? How did it all come to this, that the police service of the first African country to gain independence is increasingly being seen by its people to be uh, more of a predator than it is a protector? Why don't we find out together right here on Africa in Retrospect? Hello and welcome to another episode of Africa in Retrospect. I'm Simon Bayani. This episode, while dealing with the current reputation of the Ghana Police Service, still forms part of our series on colonial police and militaries uh, because in our quest to figure out where it all went wrong, I think the natural starting point has to be with the history of the police in Ghana. But before we get into all of that, let's start by providing a little bit of a context on this issue. So for a few years now, the Ghana Police Service has been headlining the news with reports on corruption, uh, especially bribery, uh, as well as police brutality. Drivers. In almost every instance, drivers offered one or two cities wrapped in either their license or in a paper to get a police to allow them continue their journey. Now, of course, this is not even close to the Nigeria Police Force's level of notoriety on the same issue. But... It's still a problem nonetheless. In 2022, the research network Afrobarometer released a report on Ghanaians' negative perceptions of their police. And there were a lot of interesting and yet concerning findings in this report. For example, 65% of the people who were interviewed said that most, if not all, of the police officers in Ghana are corrupt. On top of that, 40% said that the Ghana police uses excessive force when dealing with criminals, while 33% said that excessive force was used when dealing with peaceful demonstrations. And regarding the payment of bribes, only 55% said that they had never paid a bribe in exchange for police assistance, while the rest said they did pay bribes, although some did it more often than others. In the same year that this report was released, the Inspector General of the Police in Ghana came out and said that in due time they would release a response um, challenging some of these findings, which he said had had a detrimental effect on the morale of the police in Ghana. So as I was reading all of this stuff, I kept wondering, like I said, why and how it had all come to this, you know, uh, are there any connections with the colonial past or is this purely a problem of a modern day African police force? And that is why I said in order to understand this, we need to look first into the history of the police in Ghana. The first official police force in Ghana was the Gold Coast Armed Police and it was established in 1872. Its officers were mostly British and just like its Nigeria counterpart, it initially recruited Africans from the Hausa ethnic group because these people were seen to be a martial race. At the proclamation of the Gold Coast Colony in 1874, the name of the police force was changed from the Gold Coast Armed Police to the Gold Coast Constabulary. 
At the time, the main objective for the police force was to protect the political interests of the British by controlling the territorial frontiers of the colony, as well as protecting the economic interests as well. Then, gradually over the years, the Gold Coast Constabulary became involved in the collection of tax from the African communities, and in this regard, the police relied on the support and cooperation of the local African chiefs who were, in essence, puppets of the colonial administration through the policy of indirect rule. Funny enough, just like the Ghana police today, the Gold Coast Constabulary became unpopular with the African communities as it was seen to be a foreign and intrusive force. The reputation of the colonial police in Ghana was so bad that in 1886, there were even reports of African policemen being stoned in Accra because they were seen to be traitors by the community. The year 1894 saw a formal separation of strictly police functions from military functions within the constabulary and this resulted in the formation of a civil police force called the Gold Coast Police and a military unit called the Gold Coast Regiment. From that point, police work was mainly centered around patrolling European mining infrastructure and agricultural areas, as well as providing security for the transportation of goods. As the colonial economy of the Gold Coast was based on mining and cash crops, the police were basically ensuring the effective siphoning of raw materials from the colony by the British. And by the 1920s, the Gold Coast police had specialist branches for mining, um, escort as well as the railway police and what this really shows us is that the colonial police in Ghana was never really created to serve the community or to uphold principles of justice. It was really established to protect the political and especially economic interests of the British. The end of the Second World War ushered in a period of political instability that sort of caught the police off guard. 1948 was a particularly difficult year for the Gold Coast Police in terms of riots and disturbances and this started with the Accra riots uh, in February of that year. Although tensions leading to the riots had been building up for some time, the police did make a fatal mistake that sort of set the whole thing in motion. African World War II veterans had organized a peaceful protest at the governor's residence to request their pensions and other payments that were promised to them in exchange for their efforts during the war. The protesters were confronted by the police and a British officer, a superintendent, ordered his African subordinates to open fire on the protesters, but none of them did. And frustrated by what he must have seen as insubordination, the European superintendent grabbed a rifle and did the deed himself killing three of the veterans in the process. In the few days that followed, people in Accra and surrounding areas took to the streets in riot over these killings. And during those days, European and Asian businesses were vandalized and looted and more killings occurred. Another security challenge came in the form of the Elmina riots of May 1948, where a crowd of Africans is said to have attacked a police station and a courthouse. In the events that followed, two policemen, a European and an African, as well as 12 of the rioters were killed, while over 90 arrests and convictions were made, including the chief of Sanka. Other security challenges were the general strike of 1949 and later the Transvolta disturbances of 1956 to 57. 
I think it goes without saying that these disturbances and riots sort of marked the end of the empire in Africa. And if not, I think they provided the necessary pressure for the British to concede to the eventuality of African self-determination. The first ever general elections were held in 1951 and Kwame Nkrumah's Convention People's Party won the majority of the seats. But despite all of that, matters of law enforcement remained in the hands of the British until independence. And when independence finally came in March 1957, the Gold Coast became Ghana and the police force became the Ghana Police Service. A serious Africanization of the Ghana Police came after independence, with the police training school being opened in 1959. So in 1948, the Ghana Police had about 120 European gazetted officers and only two African gazetted officers. But by 1960, this was almost entirely the reverse. 90% of the Ghana police was local in 1960, with only a few Europeans retained on contract basis for specialist positions. But even then, the Ghana police service was still a byproduct, if we may, of the British colonial system, and so its colonial past followed it into the post-independence era. You see, just like we saw with the Kenya police in the last episode, the police in post-independence Ghana was almost immediately used as a political tool by the new African leadership. Kwame Nkrumah's government quickly became authoritarian and just like the colonial government before him, he used the police to repress political opposition. And that's where I think it all went wrong. Now, this is not to say that Kwame Nkrumah as an individual is to blame for all of this, but I'm just saying that his government and all the other regimes after him, including the government of today, were all complicit in the creation of the problem that the Ghana Police Service faces today. You see, the legacy of colonial policing was never really destroyed after independence, and that's where I think all the different administrations of Ghana are complicit in this issue. They all failed to rid the police of its colonial identity and mentality, and it carried into the post-independence era and continues today. I know at this point you're probably wondering what I'm on about, but here's what I'm saying. There are a few ways in which the colonial legacy still shows itself in today's police forces, including in Ghana. The first is that Policemen and women seem to expect the general public to just accept their decisions and follow their orders without any sort of question. Secondly, the political elite continues to have undue influence over the police and how they do their work. And even politicians and officials whose positions are not remotely related to police work still have some sort of sway over uh, the work of the police. And lastly, the police seem to have no accountability, especially towards the communities that they're meant to serve. Now, when you look into the colonial period and colonial police forces in particular, you realize that all of the things that I just mentioned were as true back then as they are today. And this is what I mean by colonial legacy. So coming back to the issue of the Ghana police today, I think there definitely is a connection between it and its colonial predecessor. I will admit though that I haven't come across any records or material suggesting that the colonial police in Ghana took bribes the same way that the current police is accused. But whether that was the case or not, 
the Ghana Police Service today appears to have no accountability to the community and this was how it was with the colonial police too. Unfortunately, this problem is not only unique to Ghana and as we shall see in the upcoming episodes, the same problem exists in other African countries, albeit at varying degrees. That's all I had for you on this episode and I hope you'll join me on the next one. Until then, this has been Simon Bayani with Africa in Retrospect.